0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are streaming live from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Podcast Studio and are super excited to have Londa Sherwood-Austin on our show today. Um, She is going to be discussing her menopause journey and just menopause in general and some tools that she has to help others to overcome menopause. So, Londa, without further ado... Welcome to our show.
1: Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. It's so nice to actually be able to have a conversation with you.
0: Yeah, and that's what this is going to be. We're just going to introduce you, and you can share your story, and we'll just ask some questions. So, go ahead and start with a little bit about your, your background.
1: Yeah, well, that's a big that's a big question. <laughs> that is, that is right. Um, <laughs> you don't have to yeah. start from birth. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was born no, uh, I, you know, I, um, I'm, I've always been really interested in health, um, and nutrition and, and all that kind of stuff my whole life, but I never did it for a job. In fact, I just recently said to my husband, if I was 10 years younger, I'd go back to medical school and specialize in menopause. Um, but I feel like, It's too much. It's, it's too much time to do that now, you know, at my age, I'm 53, which, you know, is pretty young, except when you're looking at maybe going to medical school and then it's like, "Eh, (laughs) I don't think so. So, um, I'm, I actually work as a full-time licensed realtor in Eastern Washington. Um, I'm also a professional life and business coach. I've done that for over 21 years. Um, and I specialize in the three R's real estate, restaurants and retail in my coaching. So grew up in restaurants, love it today. Still want to own a restaurant. I still have time. Uh, so, but, but my, uh, my, as far as my menopause journey, You know, I've got seven kids, um, that, that I, yes, I had all of them and no, there's no twins and yes, I know how that happens. (laughs) So we've covered all the basic questions that I get. Um, yeah, I have a lot of kids. And, um, when I was in my, I was, I think I was probably 36 years old. So I had my last one at 31. And when I was about 36 years old, I started talking to my doctor about my hormones because I felt, I don't know, just off. Right. And so, um, I started looking into by my, uh, you know, we, we played around with some things It it, it was really early in the hormone replacement therapy world. Things were not well refined, you know, and it was, um, it was kind of that, that, that moving from my mom's generation to my generation. So it wasn't very smooth, you know, yet. And so some of the things that I tried, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel good. It was either too much or not enough, which, you know, some of that hasn't changed. It's a, it's Mm -hmm. always a moving target. Right. So, but I was on some kind of hormone replacement therapy for, um, I don't know, probably, 10 or 12 years, which I'm very grateful for now because of recent research that says better that you start earlier for long-term health. So um, but uh the, the big surprise was in 2021 when I found out I had cervical cancer. And um that was pretty shocking uh, to discover that. Um and Decided, well, I didn't have any real option except to have a hysterectomy um, in order to um, deal with that. The other options just weren't going to give me clear margins, right? So, did that. The doctor said, hey, no, it's great though. You get to keep your ovaries. Um, And the doctor that did the surgery, my doctor at home, because I was on a kind of a three-year, in the middle of a three-year sabbatical. Um, and so I was at my home in Florida when I got this diagnosis. And it was winter. I'm almost at my three-year anniversary. It was winter and I thought, well, if I have to convalesce, I'd rather do it by the pool in the sunshine than in the cold Pacific Northwest. So that was a no-brainer for me. So but I was in contact with my home doctor here in Eastern Washington. And he said, yeah, but let's really watch your levels, your hormone levels, because while you do get to keep your ovaries, they may react to this hysterectomy and, you know, kind of go on a, on a rapid decline. And they did, but it took a couple of years. So they teased me for a couple of years. And then in this last year, we now have, uh, we now have, um, uh, you know, blood work proof that they're, uh, they're dead. They're gone. They've, they've given up the ghost as it were. And so, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of what got me to here. So these last, I felt like I had my hormone replacement therapy kind of figured out. And then these last three years, it's been, a big jumble all over again of trial and error. And, um, you know, it's menopause is interesting because as a woman menopause is inevitable. We, every woman is going to go through menopause. I don't care who you are. Not every woman will go through pregnancy. Right. But every woman will go through menopause. And, um, it's interesting because I'm kind of a nerd. So I go to PubMed uh, and read this is where published medical articles are, are, and it's the National Library of Medicine. I'm sure you're familiar with it, but pubmed.com. And if you, uh, if you do a little search in their search engine for pregnancy, you're going to get a, about 1.1 million returns of published medical research articles, right? You do the same search for menopause, you get 96,000. Wow. So it's startling to me that not every woman will go through pregnancy, yet we have about 10 times the amount of research and information, et cetera, just by looking at this one resource than we do on menopause, and every woman goes through menopause. So I think this is one reason I'm so interested in the topic. I, I don't think we talk about it enough. When I had little kids, I had um, a Facebook group that was for moms you know, and now the kids are all grown up. And so I have a Facebook group for uh, midlife and menopause because that's just where I am in life. And I don't want to go through it alone. You know, I joke that uh, my mom had the audacity of dying before we got to talk about any of this. So, um, you know, it was 12 years ago. And so we didn't really have a lot of menopause conversations, you know, she went through it when I was like 13. So I just thought she was mean. (laughs) Um, right that's true and and to be fair she was a little but now i know she had reasons to be me you know so menopause is inevitable but suffering is not That's 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 right the term that i i hold on to so you know in hopes of other women who may be feeling alone not having to go through it alone i've got this little Facebook group. And it's on Facebook because that's where women my age are.
0: (laughs) Janet, there's a lot going on there. I bet you have some questions for Londa.
1: Well, um,
2: so I'm really interested in what you did prior to your, your cancer. I mean, what kind of therapy were you using?
1: Yeah. So, um, Honestly, I didn't pay close attention to it. Some form of estrogen, some form of testosterone, some form of progesterone. Couldn't tell you what they were. I I really don't know. Um, But I did those three um, because those are what my blood work showed was lacking. But more importantly than that, how I felt, right? Right. So I think if we had more people in the medical profession who would ask women how they feel rather than looking at numbers on paper, because here's one thing why I'm really, really glad I had those numbers early on though, while I was still ovulating, still having a monthly cycle, still, you know, relatively young and healthy. I'm glad I had those numbers done because I naturally make about five times the amount of um, estrogen as the average woman. I know that because I had early numbers Mm -hmm. done before I went through like at the very, very beginning of perimenopause, knowing that I can kind of think, okay, so maybe I need a higher than normal, normal average level now for me to feel good, which is true. It's, it's, it's born out, you know? So, um, now I do a twice a week, um, estradiol patch um i do a once a week testosterone injection that i give myself and no i don't enjoy that but it it's effective um and then um i take progesterone pill and after my hysterectomy the doctor that i saw someplace else not my regular doctor took me off progesterone oh Mm-hmm. saying, yeah. oh, well, you don't have a uterus, yeah. so you don't need mm-hmm. it anymore. And as it turns out, your brain needs it too. And I do still have a brain.
0: <laughs> so does your bones and so does your breast tissue. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, you know, we're taught in pharmacy school, doctors are taught in medical school that if you don't have a uterus, you don't need progesterone. And it's like, gee, is progesterone that magic hormone that only works in one tissue in the body? I mean, it's ignorance right. is what it is.
2: Well, they're comparing it to Provera. So they're trying to compare it to something that's not even the same. It's so different. So, well, I'm glad you, I'm I'm glad you didn't get in that trap of not taking it because.
1: Yeah. I did for a while, but it explained why I felt so bad, you know? Right. Right.
2: Of course.
0: Yeah. Well, I like the idea of what you're saying about getting baseline labs first. Mm -hmm. And we tell people that whether they're male or female that they should get labs before they have any problems because you do want to know what your optimal level is, not what normal is because these normal levels a lot Mm -hmm. of times are based on sick people that are going to the doctor all the time. And I don't want to be a normal sick person going to the doctor all the time. That's
1: interesting.
0: Yeah. Hmm. I want to be optimal.
2: Right. Right. Or people that are menopausal and how does that apply to being optimal?
0: Yeah, it's like, right, well, your normal you know. level for being menopausal. <laughs> you're normal for being menopausal. Well, of course. being menopause, right. you're not supposed to make hormones.
2: Right. I mean, right. That's why it's right. important
0: to go to a provider that knows what labs to order and how to interpret them appropriately.
2: Right. Man, so you got that right. So it's what, what objective are we trying to achieve? And when you just put it on paper and you have a value that doesn't always define where we need to go and how to get there. So, you know, the first piece of your puzzle missing was a progesterone. So how did you get that back? Did somebody else talk to you
1: about that? Or you just said, I didn't feel good or. Yeah. So, um, because I was on this kind of three year walkabout, I wasn't talking to my home doctor as consistently as I probably needed to be. Um, and so it it was just a different doctor in a different city where I was doing my one year follow-up post hysterectomy and had a conversation and, you know, she said it with such confidence. Oh, the latest research shows that you don't need progesterone if you don't have a uterus. And I thought, Oh, Well, okay. That'll save me a little money. Yeah. Right. I mean, you just, you don't think like, Oh, one less thing to do. Right. Okay. Well, then I I moved back to Eastern Washington permanently, uh, in August of 2023, got in with my doctor right away to get reestablished. And, and he said, okay, so, um, all right, let's see, let's see what we got going on here. Now let's get all caught up to date. And when I told him that he freaked out. No, no, no. Let's get you back on that immediately. And here's why. So I love my provider because it's the what and the why. Also my, and this is the kind of provider you need to look for, right? Somebody who tells you the what. Why and is open to conversation. I I probably uh, you know teach him as much as he teaches me because I'm such a voracious reader and learner, and we we have these back and forth discussions all the time. And he's you know I, I have an advantage. He's not just my provider. He's also my friend. He's also my client, my real estate client. You know, so I have a little closer relationship. But um, but most of the conversation happens. You know, at my appointments, so you can you can do that. I think the the pro a big problem comes in when you have a provider who's not giving answers, and this is something that I've just discovered talking with so many other women. Well, my doctor told me I'm not in perimenopause. Well, and my question would be, how would they know? Honestly, if you're not getting cooperation from your provider. Find a different provider.
0: And and if they say Mm -hmm. things like, well, the most recent studies say, or trust the science and don't do your own research, go somewhere else seriously oh, right sure. away right, right away sure. if they say we'll just trust the studies go somewhere else and by the way the study that that provider that took you off progesterone mm-hmm. they're referencing that's a study that's- from germen and Prevera back 70 years
2: ago right that is <laughs> yeah. so old it's not even funny it, it, it's so sad it's yeah. it's you know it's practicing on a premise that somebody tells you this and you just keep going you just keep saying what they said over and over again without right. any any, you know, data to really prove what you're saying and not even understanding what you're saying. Cause I, I know today, if I talk to several providers, I would get the same answer, but still doesn't mean it's right.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And now I know because I did the research and now I, got that information and, you know, was mortified. Um, I am happy, really happy with what's happening though in the menopause space, Mm -hmm. because we do have a small group of mostly female providers now that are making it a specialty and um, they are demanding more, right? So I was, um, one of my favorite resources is Dr. Mary Claire Haver. And um, she has a, a, a podcast called The Pause Life. She's written a couple of books. they a, a 20 plus year OBGYN double board certified who now closed her practice with babies now specializes in menopause and has for like the last three years. Um, she's got a huge platform, really came into a huge platform on TikTok accidentally just a couple of years ago and is using that platform to gather lots of research, um, and to bring more awareness. And so she uh, shares about other providers that are in this space that are really at the forefront and, and they're demanding more for us, you know?
0: I agree, Jen. I've been doing this for twenty five years now, and it's changing a lot. And I really like to see the direction it's going. And I agree with you. Um, one of the reasons why is because there's more women that have become into the medical profession and and driven that. And you know, yeah. And then they got the menopause and realized, well, wait a minute, um, I'm not so crazy, <laughs> you know.
1: Oh, seriously, Doctor Haver talks about that very thing. She's when she went to medical school, her entire Instruction on menopause was a one-hour lecture in all of medical school. A one-hour lecture for something that 50% of the population absolutely is going to go through and will spend, what, a third of their life in it?
0: Ugh. it I, that's the same here. I don't know about Jan's experience, but at my experience at University of Washington Pharmacy School, I had a one-hour lecture on hormones mm-hmm. for women. Yeah. One hour. And it was mostly... M- m- mostly based on Premarin. You're probably familiar with Premarin. But you got to understand. Yeah. Premarin stands for pregnant mare's urine. It is the most popular estrogen ever prescribed. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why the studies about not needing progesterone, it's all because of them. Um, And, you know, pharmacy school and medical schools are funded by those sources. Right. That's why that's what they put. Right. And they... Follow the money trail. Right. Speaking of testosterone for women... My oldest son almost got kicked out of science class. actually, he did because he argued with the teacher that there that women do have testosterone. and she said, no, they don't. He said yes, they do. So of course, Janet and I had to prove her wrong and prove my son right. Um, and that's the that's a have.
1: testament though to how much how little we are taught
0: exactly about our
1: own care,
0: yeah, and believe me, Londa, you may have this experience already there there are it's getting better. But 20 years ago, there were doctors mm-hmm. that didn't think that women made testosterone. I am, I'm serious. Right. They went to medical school and they didn't think that do- that women made testosterone. I still fight that regularly about the benefits of testosterone for women. And, and, and doctors just look at me like, well, that, that just sounds crazy. Like bone density, for instance, there's not a better right. drug for building bone density than testosterone. But do you think, right. do you think doctors prescribe it for, for bone density?
2: No. Well, it's ignorance because even if we just look at the biological definition of a hormone, it's a right. messenger. And we don't just have reproduction as our only goal in life, right? Our only, you know thing that we do. And so it's really tragic that we, we throw it, you know, estrogen, progesterone and testosterone, and there's others, DHEA, all into this, just this reproductive part, which is super important. I understand that, but it also played a role prior to being able to become pregnant and then exactly. So Mm -hmm. it, it is ignorance on all levels and sometimes I feel like it's chosen too, like Sean's saying, because there's no financial incentive. I mean, the the financial incentive for us in menopause is get that hysterectomy done, then get the bladder meshes in, then you get them on whatever. And, and it's not always the best option for everybody. And it's sad because, right. you know, if we even looked at just on the emotional and relationship level, you have to wonder how many women in our age group probably went through some type of divorce or breakup and they're and having issues with relationship when it could have been different if they right. had the tools to manage what they were facing in their life because it's a
1: real right. physical thing yeah Yeah. Even just talking about symptoms is so helpful. And Mm -hmm. all my girlfriends who are near my age, they have menopause conversations, whether they want to or not, because it's just what I talk about. Right. And then I find out they really don't have anyone else that's talking to them about these things, but even the symptoms that, that, you know, I remember, you know, talking with a medical provider, not the one that I see consistently, you know, but a different one. and, and asking about some of the symptoms I was having and could they be hormone-related and being told absolutely not and finding out absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. My itchy skin. No, Nobody talks about how itchy skin and the headaches and the, the temperature regulation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. If I, probably my most frustrating symptom is inability to regulate my temperature. I either I'm freezing cold all the time, but at least I have hot flashes and night sweats. Like really? Come on.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and there are so many other chronic type diseases. We already kind of hit on them that are hormone related. Osteoporosis, for instance, mm-hmm. that we prescribe a different drug for. We don't give them hormones, even though that's what they're lacking. Um, right. You know, urinary incontinence, Mm -hmm. uh, vaginal dryness, urinary Mm -hmm. um, urinary tract infections—all things that are related to hormones that we prescribe all these other drugs for. Yet, um, you know, the fix is balance the hormones, and not just estrogen. Women don't have just estrogen, right? Progesterone, testosterone—all those things in the right balance, the right dose.
1: Well, and that's an interesting thing that you bring up. That should also you know, bears discussion is the right dose, the right mm-hmm. delivery system, the right, I mean, because I tried, um, for three months, um, estradiol and, a uh, once a week injection because, you know, they had gotten, um, some good results with it, better delivery system as it were, it did not work for me. It was not okay. I got that a big jolt of it when I got the the injection. And then it, it was just, it was just too much all at once. I I went back to the, um, the patches because they work better for me. So really being vocal about Mm -hmm. what's working for you, what's not working for you. And as women, we're so, uh, I'm just going to say it, I'll get get right into it. We're so trained by society to just, you know, suck it up and dismiss our symptoms. You know, you, you just get over it and, and we don't listen to our bodies. We don't listen to our symptoms and we dismiss it and we make excuses for it. And, Oh, I'm probably tired or, Oh, I'm just overstressed or, Oh, whatever. When no, actually this isn't working and and it needs a shift you know, even I dismissed the estradiol injection. I was like, well, maybe I'm just need a little bit more time. No, it is not working. So I need to change something. Um, and then even, uh, you know, when, when we just about maybe five weeks ago, changed my dosages, I went up in dosage because I Got those lab results that, oof, even on HRT, my numbers were almost zeros. Like, oh, okay. Those ovaries have officially said goodbye to this world. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, increased the dosage. And he said, okay, I'll, I'll see you back and we'll test again in three months. I said, nope, we're going to have a conversation in 30 days. I'm not suffering for three months if it doesn't work for me. Right, one thing to. to remember is our providers work for us, That's right? We employ them. I, I my, my insurance company and myself pay big time to employ them. So, the shift for me really was years ago when I realized, oh. Uh, they are my employee. I kind of look at it that way, right? Like I'm hiring them to do a job. And so I get a say in it. It really shifted the way that I communicate with my, my providers.
0: And speaking of the injection that didn't work for you well. Um... Mm mm-hmm. You know, one one of the problems with any kind of injection, just like you're kind of alluding to with your testosterone, is it's an injection. you got to inject yourself. Fortunately, there are other options, and you found other options. And the problem with injections is you get this high peak, but then, you know, you get a trough later on. So you got high levels, low levels. And that's the same with testosterone also. And that's why Mm -hmm. um, I like, you know, mine and Janet's favorite delivery of testosterone for women is actually transvaginally. So you apply it to the vaginal tissue, it's absorbed great that way, you do it daily, and not only is it absorbed systemically, but you have good local effects too, because there is nothing better for vaginal atrophy than, to, than topical testosterone cream.
2: But I think that's, the biggest thing, yeah, the biggest thing though is um, if, you're not, if you don't like it and it's not working, yeah. most people don't use it, and I've, I've said this over and over again, I don't care if the provider prescribes it, it doesn't mean that they're using it, All right? It doesn't Hello. mean you're going to call home yeah. and continue t- the therapy. Because if you're not being heard or you're not liked, I mean, I can't tell you how many women I've counseled that are like, nah, that just didn't work for me. Well, did yeah, you talk so, to your yeah. doctor? No. Let's do that. I'm just, you know, and I'm like, option.
0: we have another option.
2: If you can't, like you said, if you can't find that communication with your provider and mm-hmm. say, hey, I'm not suffering for 30 more days, it's time to move yeah. on. Yeah,
1: It really is. There's too many options. There's too many people doing it. Even mm-hmm. within the same clinic, often there are, you know, eight different providers just go to a different one. Yep.
0: Yeah. Julie, we have a comment. Is that, do we have a comment or is it spam? Um, yeah. it, it's spam. Can you, can we stream the comment? We have a comment. We try to answer all of our questions or comments. Let's see what it is.
2: Um, yeah it is normal range for who and what right and what is the goal that we're trying to achieve because my level for somebody might be totally different even if you are menopausal because of what goal we have to achieve and you know especially like let's throw we talked about bone density and osteoporosis my ladies that have that their estrogen levels are going to be higher. They're you know, or a diabetic, you want their estrogen levels higher. You want your testosterone levels a li- lot higher or your thyroid. So it's subjective also to the to what the goal is. What are we trying to achieve for this client for their, their overall health?
0: And, and labs are just right. a tool to yep. go along with symptoms and history. And labs, you have to know how to interpret them. Correct. It depends on, and especially if they're on HRT already, when did they have their last dose? Did they just have their dose? Was it 12 hours ago? Um, right. You have to have a provider that knows about those things, or the labs are yeah. literally worthless. If you don't know how to interpret, them, they're worthless.
1: Janet, Thank you for that do comment, you Jennifer. have. Do you have a bone density test that you recommend? Yes,
2: I do. Good I question. am not a fan of DEX. I am not a fan of putting somebody through a DEX test because it's so old. It's looking at old bone, and it's it's in the history. What you okay. really want is what's called a Nix test, and all it is is taking uh, a sample of urine, and it's looking at the amount of bone that's being excreted excreted, excuse me, in the urine that day, that moment. So if I have somebody who we want to see if they've improved, I mean, in, you know, in a short period of time with their hormone therapy and their, their workout, and you can see it turn around and that's Mm -hmm. immediate. And it's not expensive. It's very inexpensive. Ah. With the
0: DEXA scan, you can't see results no. for up to a year. Well, who wants to wait a year to see if their bones got better?
2: You want to know what's actually physically happening now and reverse it now. Not what mm-hmm. happened two years or in the past. So the only reason I think that the DEXA scan is still there is because insurance companies are paying for it. Yeah.
1: Really? Isn't that sad? Yeah, and test has been around for a yeah. long time time. Interesting. Are you of the, um, the school of thought as you age, less cardio, more lifting? I'm just curious.
2: No, I think it depends on the individual. Now, do I think that we have to be super careful about making sure that we have, um, weight bearing? Absolutely. So Sean and I are in, you know, um, groups of people that cycle their bikes a lot. And a lot of those mm-hmm. people forget that they need to have that core and that balance, but it doesn't have to be uh huge weightlifting. It can be just resistance, right? right. Um, yeah. So the other thing with it is also your balance, because as we get through menopause and, and we get past it, balance for people is a real thing. So core exercises force you to be able to hold on to that and you have to work at it. So yes, weight bearing exercises are important. Now, how that looks is really different for everybody. I mean, weight bearing is, is walking. It's not swimming and it's not cycling. It could be, you know, resistance. It could be in the gym, you know, lifting weights, but the whole, the whole thing is it has to be balanced, right? Because, um, the worst thing that happens to us as we age, that that's detrimental, especially when we get into our eighties and nineties, if we fall and break a bone, especially our hip it's game over.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we need to be strong and we need to have good balance and and mobility. That's what keeps us healthy.
2: But I'm not opposed Mm -hmm. to cardiac at all because we have always been that way on this earth we've always had to have endurance i mean my father was Mm -hmm. a rancher he didn't run all the time i mean short bursts or whatever but most of us if if we were in hunting gathering or if we were like you know like my father you had to endure the work that you did for the whole day right Right. You had to, you know, and we sit in offices and we don't move our body like we used to. So I'm not, I mean, I'm not this person that says, oh, you know, your cardiac doesn't matter because it does. It still does. Endurance mm-hmm. is still important. So right. I, I don't throw, I, I'm not of the school that you throw it all out the door. You just have to make adjustments to where you are and what what's appropriate for you. So, you know, when I was 20 years old, I didn't have balance issues. Now I'm in my fifties. I have to be careful and make sure that I keep my balance, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, you start favoring these kind of things.
2: <laughs> yeah
0: right and that's you know? why you just have to make yourself do things that might be uncomfortable right so a lot yeah. of one a lot of one-legged exercises right um doesn't have to be heavy weights uh, we're big believer in strength training um, but we're also a big believer in in cardio and it and that you can define that many different right. ways you don't have to go ride your bike for five hours at a time like Jan right. and i sometimes do um but let's remember that you know our most important um muscle in our body is our heart. And and not that you can't right. get, you know, a good workout, a good cardio workout with appropriate strength training, because you can mm-hmm. if you go hard enough, but you've got to realize that.
2: Right. So I think it's a balance. I mean, you know, I'm not against and I'm not opposed. I have a, um, a gal who's about a year older than me that graduated from the same school that runs uh, Boston marathons and you have to qualify to be in it. And she's always been an amazing runner. So good for Allison. It's something she enjoys and she's still very active in doing it. I mean, I think that that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I could, I, I don't really have that desire, but I still think that there is on some level, um, something that you not only get, not just physically, but there's something mental too, to the healthiness of exercise that women sell short you know, we sell ourselves short and there's nothing more when, you know, Sean and I talk about this a lot. You solve a lot of issues when you're exercising, right? Things don't become mm-hmm. so important. You think about it in a different light, your, right. your brain and your, you know, all those neurotransmitters start changing. Um, mm-hmm. So exercise is super important to your mental and emotional health.
0: And, and you said something, of, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Sean. Look, well, let's well, remember this is that Something is always better than nothing. Yeah, you know that's what yeah. we tell. Because let's face it, most Americans are so sedentary. Just do something. Start with yeah. something. Right. So go yeah. ahead, Londa.
1: And well, Janet, you brought up a good point that your friend who runs, she loves it, right? right. And I think sometimes we forget to play. Yeah, you know, yeah. we've. I live right on the Columbia River, and um, we I walk right out my back door, and I'm on the the bike path there, the walking path, and uh, it's lovely. And we often, my husband and I will go walk uh, at the river, but one of my favorite things to do is to go down and hop. There's these huge rocks that probably, you know, four feet across and four, three, four feet off the ground lines of them. And my, one of my favorite things to do is hop the rocks. Mm -hmm. And I have to think that kind of thing is probably really good for me. I do it because it makes me feel like a kid and it brings Mm -hmm. me joy. But I would think, you know, probably for balance and and all that. Balance,
0: strength mobility right there. Yep. Those are and and we talk about functional movements a lot because let's face it. I mean, we all want to be functional. We don't want to be in a walker. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be in a wheelchair. So to do yeah. things like jumping on rocks, those, those are functional movements. Because if you can jump yeah. on rocks, then you can get up off the couch and walk.
1: Right? right. <laughs> yeah,
0: Um So
2: sure.
0: my guess is, are, you live in Richland? Yeah. So Jan and I have ridden that bike path hundreds of times. We've probably <laughs> ridden by your house. We you
2: probably
1: have, yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yep. That's a
0: nice, very nice bike path.
1: I love it so much. Yeah, you know, yeah. we, we, walk it pretty consistently. My only problem with it is there aren't any Hills and I like to have a little yeah, elevation, it's, obviously you know? it's by
0: the river. So it's very flat. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 And, so and I will there, say that uh,
0: during, during the summer it gets busy.
1: Oh, it does.
0: I mean, really busy. Yeah,
1: that's the, that's the give and take, right? Like that. The great part about it is that you're right there, but the, that really terrible part about it is everyone else Everyone's is right, right there. there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> right.
1: But I love it. I, you know, a lot of motivation for me is staying active with the grandkids and, you know, I want to be able to play with them and run with them and you don't, think about we just we don't talk about it you know right. we don't talk about those things when, you, when you're young or maybe when i when i was young people did talk about it and i wasn't listening i, I certainly don't remember any of those kind of conversations i think the conversation of women's health is is shuffling um two younger women, my daughters, my, my oldest daughter's in her thirties and she, you know, we're having these conversations and she's talking about getting those baseline numbers now before, you know, she starts into even perimenopause. And, and so the more we talk about it, I think the better, the better off we are. Um, but you know, there's, there's the financial piece of it too, which we haven't touched on yet, but you know, healthcare is is a financial privilege in America. And that's frustrating to me. You know, the, the, I'm, I'm about to be, um, uh, I'm shopping for healthcare right now because my husband changed companies and the new company, you know, offers him healthcare, but not me. So I, now I've got to, you know, find private healthcare or something like that. It's crazy expensive and, uh, you know, lab tests are expensive and supplements are expensive and, you know, prescription medications expensive. And, you know, we, we, I, I just get frustrated at the system, I guess. Oh,
0: the, you know? I mean, Those are great questions. And, um... Being on my podcast, you'll get a copy of my book. Also, in fact, instead of sending you electronic copy, awesome. I'll send you a signed copy. And oh, it's called cool. it's called Sickened: How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. Will you stream that banner on there, Julie? There should be a banner under banners, um, just with my book information. Um, and and I, I understand what you're saying, and I will also say this is that. Um, Healthcare can be inexpensive if you know how to shop for it. That's the key. First of all, you talked about it shopping. Don't mm-hmm. just trust your employer for your healthcare. In fact, never trust your employer for your healthcare. Never trust your government the government for the, your healthcare. It's your own right. healthcare. And ultimately, one of the reasons we started this podcast is we want to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. That also means financially. And let me give you a good example. You'll you'll read about this in my book health insurance, for instance. Janet and I got burnout out on health insurance 10, 10 years ago or so when we were paying 1500 bucks a month from something we never used. Okay, So we found something different. We have a health sharing ministry. Janet and I now, we pay $180 a month for us, for our health care. And we get to choose our own doctor we get to choose what things are covered. Um, very affordable. 180 bucks a month for two people. Very, very affordable. Um, mm-hmm. But you got to know those things. It's one of the reasons we have this podcast. One of the reasons I wrote a book to educate people that that $2,000 a month insurance is not the only option. You can do something right. different. Um, yeah. And another thing is too, search out. One of the things that makes healthcare expensive is insurance. So insurance alone makes healthcare more expensive. So if your provider is taking insurance, they're billing higher prices. That, those are just facts. I'm not beating up mm-hmm. on anybody that does that. It, those are just facts. They have to hire extra people to do those bills. Um, over 50% of their staff is due to collection of insurance. So, for instance, you can go to a direct primary care doctor and you can have unlimited visits, 24 hours, 24 seven hour access to a doctor. You know how much money it is, Londa? I want you to guess.
1: Uh- I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, private, the private plans that I'm looking at are between six and $800 a month. So I'll just guess that.
0: 75 bucks a month. You can have unlimited access to a doctor 24 seven. I'm not kidding you. They do not bill any ins- uh, yeah. They do not bill any insurance. It's a monthly subscription. Um, they can do FaceTime consults. They can do um, texting. It, it, it's, it's incredible. But People don't know those things. We're so stuck in the traditional health insurance model that that's all people yeah, know. So then they think true. it's expensive. Well, health insurance is what makes things expensive, honestly. So mm-hmm. um, that's a that's a topic for a whole nother podcast,
1: <laughs> right? Um, but where can people get that information through your book or absolutely? Or do they can you get it through it my book. Somewhere?
0: All that stuff to the book through th- for Health Sharing Ministries. Um, they can also because in chapter six of my book. I talk about the solutions. I don't want to just complain about how the government ruined healthcare. I want the solutions. And one of the right. solutions is, first of all, take charge of your own health. The best health insurance yeah. we have is not some policy we can buy. I mean, seriously. Right. It's how we take right. care of ourselves. We were talking about it with exercise. Yeah. We didn't talk about diet. But, of course, you know those things. Um, and 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 then the other things is is shop for your health care. So when right. you go into a place and if they don't know what something costs, walk out. You would never buy a car without knowing what the price is. You would never stay at a hotel without knowing their the price is. Do not go to a doctor, to a hospital without knowing what the price is. Go somewhere else. And right. when, you, when you use providers that are cash only and they don't have insurance, you ask them, what's the charge for, for this going to be? Oh, that's $79.99. I mean, they know right away. Just like our pharmacy, we don't bill insurance. We know prices right away. It's transparent, right. and there's no surprises. You don't get any surprise bills in the mail. That's one of the problems with insurance: is you don't get transparency, and you don't get, and you get surprises.
1: How do people find those kind of doctors?
0: Um, there is a um, a website called DPC. Um, just you know what? Go, go into any local area that you're in and Google DPC Direct Primary Care Doctor. DPC doctor. And, and Londa, I can refer you to, there's not a direct primary care exactly down in Tri-Cities, but
1: but I I
0: can refer you to somebody. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and yeah, so anyway, so this has been great, Londa. Um, we got one more comment we want to stream. I think Jennifer made another comment and I got to get close for this. I am there Jennifer, I am 39 with a hysterectomy as of five months ago. I am not sure which hormones I need to be aware of now. Which areas should I be aware of? Well, that's a that's a very broad question, Jennifer. Thank you for asking. Um, chances are, if you've had a complete hysterectomy, um, then you have no hormones left. So you're going to need testosterone, progesterone, and, and and um, estrogen. At 39, they might have let you keep your ovaries. Your ovaries may or may not be working. That's a more specific question, Jennifer, that I would need more information. If you would message me on Facebook, Jennifer, go to my personal page, Sean Needham, and message me, and we can start a conversation. would probably be the best, Jennifer. Thank you for your comment. And, and Londa, as we wind, wind this podcast up, I want you to tell me what your passion is.
1: Oh, um, well, I, growth and contribution. Awesome. That's so good. yeah, I'm, I don't feel like I'm living unless I'm learning and yeah. sharing what I learn with others.
0: That's awesome. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to add you, you, you talked a few paragraphs back about, you know, menopause and people getting it or, uh, learning about it earlier and stuff. And here's one of the things that I like to, and Janet and I, you know, this is what we do all day long is talk to people about hormones, and a lot of them in their fifties, like us. And you know what? You're talking about jumping around on the rocks when you're 52 years old, 52 or 53. I can't remember how old you were. 53,
1: um, yeah.
0: Yeah, 53. I mean, you, you do not have to be in a walker when you're 53. Life is not over.
1: One right. of the things
0: that's important is that 50 is young. I, I seriously, yeah. I mean, 50 is very young. 60 is young. Yeah. 70 yeah. is young. We have patients in their 70s actually i think she's 80 now she teaches jazzercise up to 6 times a day
1: i incredible. love that
0: incredible now and but she keeps herself healthy diet exercise sleep hormones are a piece of the puzzle and you know one of the things is maybe you can attest to this when we get into our 50s we're in a we're in a spot in our life that we haven't been for 50 years we've worked for many many years to raise our children mm-hmm. to build a mm-hmm. business now our children are out of the house you know we're more financially stable usually mm-hmm. Um, the last thing we want to do is be sick. Right. We want to, we want to live these life, these, these last many years, you know, with vitality.
1: Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the first half was great. I'm ready for the second half. I'm looking forward to it. I'm loving it. Um, it, it, you know, you kind of start to pay the price for your, the way that you lived in the first half (laughs) in some ways. And so you've got to educate yourself. That's the thing. I think. The, the, the one message that I want to really drive home to people is you don't have to live with whatever discomfort or illness or or whatever that you're living with. Don't don't just sit back and go, oh, well, this is just how it is now. That's that's just uh, we don't need to do that anymore. I mean, if nothing else, Google is free. There's no reason to not educate ourselves. I mean, we are the most, we have access to more information today than anyone else in the history of the world. Yet we tend to be the least educated people about things. If something's bothering you, find a solution, seek it out. If you don't know how, ask somebody, you know, and for heaven's sake, share your resources with people. You know, I get to now tell people more about you because I've gotten to know you a little bit more. I hope you tell more people about me. I mean, we're all just here trying to live um, the, the best, most incredible, vivacious life we can. And for women in your 50s, I recently heard uh, a woman say, um, when, uh, when you're in your 50s, you discover your relevance in the world as a woman. And I have to agree. It's it's um it's a really cool time of life, and you kind of, I mean, everything is different now, and but I feel like I've got the whole world in front of me. It's just the, the most incredible thing. It's it's such a great time to be alive.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I'll agree with you, and I'll speak for Janet too. I mean, we're we're living the best times of our lives, um, yeah. and and physically too, we're in the best shape of our lives too. So it's possible. So, Julie, go ahead and stream uh, Londa's Facebook. If people want to get a hold of hold of you, Londa, is this a good way?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, there's not a lot of Londas in the world, so I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> right. My phone number is everywhere because I'm a realtor, you know, so I am really easy to get in touch with. Um, the Facebook group is Midlife and Menopause, if you're interested in that. Um, but, yeah, that's an easy way to get in touch with me, Londa Sherwood Austin, on any platform.
0: Awesome. Lana, you've definitely helped us realize our goal today, which is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. So thank you so much for doing that.
1: Thank you for having me. What a pleasure.
0: You're welcome. All right, let's stay in touch. And listeners and viewers, uh, thanks for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in to our midweek podcast, Thursday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Thank you for listening.